This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Senate returns to work today as questions hover over the $3.5 trillion spending bill sought by most Democrats. Republican members are also questioning the Biden administration's order that all federal employees become vaccinated against COVID-19. Here with a look ahead, WTOP Capitol Hill correspondent Mitchell Miller. And Mitchell, let's start with that whole business of the vaccination uh, that's raising all kinds of tintinabulations, especially on the Hill. Will they do anything about it or just talk? I think there's going to be a lot of talk about it. There's going to be a lot of pushback. We've already seen pushback not only from states, but also some from some of the federal unions uh, that work uh, that represent federal employees. The president uh, making that announcement last week and and basically says have at it in terms of whether those people are going to be challenging it. But the mandates, as you know, cover more than 100 million workers across the country, many of them federal workers. Uh, Among those that are pushing back is the American Federation of Government Employees. AFGE says the union should be able to negotiate with the administration over its last mandate, latest mandate. And the union made a similar statement after an earlier effort to step up in va- uh, vaccinations by the ad- administration in July. But the National Treasury Employees Union, which represents about 150,000 federal workers, about half of what a- AFGE has, uh, has defended the president's right to issue this executive order. Also, OSHA will be issuing an emergency standard for the new requirement that employers with more than 100 employees must require their workers to get vaccinated or undergo weekly testing. But as we heard over the weekend, I think we're going to continue to hear from not only governors in different states, but lawmakers here on the Hill who feel that the president has pushed too far and that this constant back and forth of whether to vaccinate or not vaccinate and have personal freedoms is going to just keep going back and forth. But no lawsuits brewing so far. One of the unions said they would look at the legal option But so far, nothing's popped up. And certainly no member of Congress has offered any legislation to try to block it. Right. I think we're going to hear a lot of noise on this and maybe a few threats here and there. But I don't think, at least at this point, we've seen anything concrete. This was something, as we both know, was probably long in coming just because with the Delta variant, uh, there has been such a surge in the number of cases across the country. And the president really uh, taking a much tougher stand this time around. Uh, We've talked earlier about, of course, that some federal agencies had already expanded their efforts for mandatory vaccinations, uh, Department of Health and Human Services requiring more than 25,000 of its health care workers to be vaccinated, Department of Veterans Affairs, the military uh, have also issued mandates. So it's not as if this was not already taking place, but clearly the administration really wants to extend its powers on this issue about as far as they can go. I wonder if people took the shots in the tuchus instead of their shoulder, would it be more popular? <laughs> Some people feel like no matter where you get it, it's going to be bad. All right. And the bigger issue, of course, for the Senate then is, and the House too, for that matter, is that $3.5 trillion human infrastructure plan. Based on what Joe Manchin said last week, it sounds like the whole thing is iffy at this point. It's really going to be interesting this week with the Senate now returning after a break. And Joe Manchin continues to just throw these numbers out there. Uh, The last one basically saying that he would only accept one to one point five trillion dollars. Now, the administration and the White House has tried to downplay this. A lot of the Democratic colleagues of Joe Manchin in the Senate have tried to say, well, this is part of the give and take that you always have with legislation. But let's face it, when you are when you're potentially two 
trillion dollars apart on something, that means that there's going to be a lot of grinding away in the Senate as they work on Joe Manchin to try to see where he's going to be. And of course, he's not the only one. Kirsten Cinema from Arizona, the conservative uh, Democratic senator there, also kind of along the lines with Joe Manchin. And, and really, to be fair to Joe Manchin, he has consistently said that he would not accept this $3.5 trillion, whereas Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has said, don't worry about it. It's going to be OK. We're still going to pass the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill, which, of course, is separate. But they have tied these two inextricably together. And some people believe that it's going to be very, very hard for them to keep them together with a vote one right after the other. Yeah, it reminds me of the Tin Man movie where the Cadillac salesman asked Richard <laughs> Dreyfus, how much would you pay for this? And the answer was four cents. I'll give you four right. cents. Now exactly. we're talking maybe a trillion dollars. We're speaking with WTOP Capitol Hill correspondent Mitchell Miller. And then related to this, of course, is the debt ceiling question. That would happen even without these infrastructure bills. And what is that looking like at this point? Well, that is really interesting. There is a huge political stare down taking on in this issue with Republicans who had, uh, as Democrats point out, uh, Democrats voted with Republicans to raise the debt ceiling uh, three times during former President Trump's administration as the tax cuts went through. So Democrats say, let's be fair about this and Republicans should do the right thing and also raise the debt limit. But Republicans also know that they have some political ammo, if you will, on this issue in that they can basically force Democrats to take an uncomfortable position. Now, last week, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said she is not going to include raising the debt limit in the budget reconciliation measure, the $3.5 trillion, which is what the Republicans want to do, because, of course, they want to put Democrats on the spot and say, look, you're spending all this money and now you're raising the debt. It's out, out of control. Inflation's going high, etc. But on the other hand, Republicans have been pretty consistent over the years in trying to raise the debt limit. And even uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell last week said that it really has to be lifted. But again, he doubled down and said he thinks that Democrats should include it in this budget reconciliation measure. I think what's going to happen, though, is that the Democrats are going to try to attach it to the continuing resolution. And then that, in turn, could put Republicans in a tough spot because they're going to also add add on billions of dollars in natural disaster emergency aid to that CR. So if you're a Republican and you don't vote for the raising of the debt ceiling, then you also could be voting against actually providing more money for your state if you're in Louisiana or one of these areas that's been hit really hard by natural disasters. Wow, they sure do have creative ways of putting each other into a pickle, you might say. They do. And at the meantime, the House had had some markups that are pretty interesting, and a lot of this is pursuant to the regular appropriations bill for the government itself. Right. That's been really interesting to see what's going on. I mean, some of these committees that are working on it are really the meat of this $3.5 trillion. You know, you hear this figure over and over again, but what does it mean? I mean, in the House Ways and Means Committee, when they were marking up last week, you know, they're talking about things that will really affect people. Things like two years of free community college tuition, universal pre-K, potentially expanding Medicare. But there is a lot of give and take, not only um, within the Republicans have clearly said they are not going to accept this, but within the Democratic Party itself, the Democrats are having a lot of arguments about this, about which way they should expand uh, Medicare or where they should shore up Obamacare and where this money is actually going to come from. And, and some of the moderate Democrats on these committees 
studies last week indicated that they actually have some problems with how the Democratic leadership is moving this forward. So I think we're going to see some more give and take there as these committees try to mark everything up and then they need to do it. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said she wants to have this done by the middle of this week, basically, to have all this legislation in place so that they can start moving toward that final grind toward actually getting votes on these issues. And somewhere in that whole complex of questions, then it seems to raise the possibility of a government shutdown a few notches. Exactly, because if they do get stuck on some of these funding issues, what are they going to do? And are they going to have enough time to figure out, you know, this back and forth, for example, with the debt ceiling? And is that going to somehow complicate what happens with the continuing resolution? Because as we know, we're just a few weeks away now from the start of the new fiscal year. So they have a lot of balls in the air right now. And even though Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has tried to consistently say we're on track, we're moving forward. There is a lot to actually all come together at one time. And this month uh, is arguably the most critical month of the White House and Congress getting together on all of these issues or not getting together, as the case may be. Well, it's going to be fun to watch. Mitchell Miller is Capitol Hill correspondent for WTOP. Thanks so much. You bet. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin 
And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, Absolutely. Um, What I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to, to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that, I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And 
my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.